Things are okay. I mean, I feel fine. I'm just really tired. Like between the job and the pregnancy, it just takes a toll. You're like, it's ready for this baby to come out. Yeah, but like that part's gonna suck too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that'll be. Like n- none of it is actually uh, that fun. <laughs> being human is gross. That's what I've learned is that being a person is really nasty. Yeah, like we're, we're full animals. of we're full of weird like liquid and goo. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Have you ever been to any of those exhibits that are like like have you seen the exhibit that's called Bodies and it travels yeah. to different musicians to different like museums and stuff and they just show you bodies with the skin off of them or this is the inside of a smoker's lung this is the like yeah we went in high school it was like awesome i remember thinking like this is so cool but i also was like this all looks like a lot of bacon like everyone just kind of looked like they were made out of bacon and like old like old meat i mean it is old meat but yeah it just looked like old Old smoked meat meat. (laughs) old meat that would be a good band name entry in the diary of doom i am your cypher dylan and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers every week we will have a different guest to spin their yarn you can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com follow us on instagram like us on facebook uh follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com and subscribe and listen to the podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get them whatever sketchy podcast podcast platform you use and uh, if you have a question or whatever you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com uh joining us for this week's chapter uh, chapter 99 one before episode 100 um so that's pretty goddamn exciting uh kind of insane that i've been able to churn out a hundred or probably more episodes at this point um and it's just pretty wild but uh yeah, so stay tuned for episode 100. Uh, but yeah, like I said, joining us this week is is uh, Brenna Leaf from Crystal Spiders, also from Lightning Born and The Hell No, uh, which I'm not familiar with, uh, unfortunately, but I do like that name of that band. Um, and Crystal Spiders has a new album coming out in October. Uh, they released their debut last year, which was called Maltz, and it kicks fucking ass. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. And guest 99. Yeah, it's pre- yeah, pretty wild, eh? So, technically, there's two guests here. So like at the time of this recording, uh, uh, we were, I, I, had, I had asked if we could do it next week. Um, but Brenna's going to be kind of busy because she's, uh, she's about <laughs> to give birth to her to a newborn. So it's very exciting. I don't know why I'm like so awkward about babies, but... <laughs> Oh, don't worry. I'm also awkward about babies. 
It does it help you to think of it as like an alien that is siphoning my blood and <laughs> me I I I like to say that I'm building a human out of meat and blood. Talking about balls of blood, that's what it is. <laughs> is it a boy, a girl, don't know? A girl. Although I did just read yesterday that it is a faux pas to gender babies. So I don't really know what that means then <laughs> to say what what one says of babies, but it is a baby. We hope it is human. And... <laughs> At the very least, you hope it's a human baby. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I won't hold my breath until it's born. I have seen the pictures on the sonogram thing that they make, and it seems to have all its parts. So I keep calling it it, which maybe is more appropriate, even though I was told, stop calling it it. Well, anyway, so no, you're not weird about babies. I'm weird about babies. <laughs> <laughs> it's really um, what that boils down to. <laughs> well, a premature congratulations, and hopefully everything goes smoothly. Like I said, by the time this episode drops, uh, Brenna will have will will have a new Doom baby in the house. So it's cool to have technically two guests on. It is cool. I I'm told that babies in the womb, they hear me talking and or hear me playing but uh it she does not like it when i play bass that is apparently not cool really it, it it does not enjoy around. those uh, no no those rhythms no not at all so it's kind of odd you would think that the baby would think that was cool but it doesn't certainly the baby will not enjoy the grating uh voice from uh <laughs> this podcast host <laughs> like please turn it off no, it's fine. It's in my AirPods. But I was also told that, like, when you, um, if you sing a baby in your womb lullabies, that it will come out of the womb remembering the songs. And I was thinking about that because How? I haven't been singing any lullabies, but I have been singing some Lightning Born songs that I had to <laughs> record. And then I will think it is really funny if the if uh, the baby comes out and recognizes like a song that I recorded for Lightning Born. I mean, that, that would, would be, be pretty weird. fucking rad. I think. Well, it's actually not even a Lightning Born song. The most recent one I've been doing a lot. Um, we are doing a song for the Ripple Music Creedence Clearwater revival record that they're putting out. So. Uh, that was what I had to practice a good bit and then put down. Although I have, this has been like the year of tribute things. I've done some several cover songs this year for other people, but. um Yeah, I've, only, it's been wild to see how many covers came out between last year and this year. Um, Like, and just all like these tribute albums and everything. And I'm thinking like, some of these people aren't dead. <laughs> No, no, they're not. The weird thing is, is like, I'm not really much of a covers person myself. Like the reason that I, people play music for different reasons. And I've tried the cover band thing before. And really, when it comes down to it, I'm, I'm more of a songwriter. Being honest, I'd rather write and record and performing is sometimes like a necessary evil. But um, doing these cover songs for 
other projects or whatever that's like a fun challenge and sometimes it's nice to do something different and just take some pressure off yourself like from working on your own songs all the time and getting kind of tunnel vision but well especially doing rock songs it's like most of the time I'm singing like a male person part or like a part formerly sung by a male so it's like doing it that way is kind of a different experience it's fun though like I did this year I've done one a Led Zeppelin one now a CCR one oh and I did um Oh my god, that is the one that's actually out. The one that's on the Maywood Mayhem compilation, and I can't remember. Oh, the Highwaymen. Okay. I did the verse about being a sailor. Nice. Being a sailor man? Or, or sailor, sailor lady? Person. A sailor moon? <laughs> a sailor moon. We were Do talking like... about anime earlier. Sorry, podcast people. <laughs> Hey, anime rules. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a fan. Everyone should see Akira because it's amazing and disgusting. Hell yeah. All that aside, though, um, and like, you know, leading up to these, um, <clears throat> all these covers and whatnot, because obviously people want to work with you. Um, like what, what were your earliest experiences with music? Did you come from a musical background or was it something that you found later on your own? So um, I've always really liked to sing and I guess I've always been into writing and poetry and I had several experiment experiences with different instruments when I was a kid, but none of them ever really stuck. Let's see, flute, didn't, didn't really take off on that one. Guitar, I started playing in high school, but I never really, I don't know, I never really just took to guitar, I guess. Um, but I played off and on between high school and then my mid-20s, probably. And then finally, like, I tried to play guitar in the early days of the of the Hell No rhythm guitar. And I really only made it, like, a few months at shows. And I was like, this is actually stressing me out. I don't like this. I would rather just sing and not play guitar, too, um, on stage. I just didn't take to it. But then um, a couple years later... After I'd been doing the Hell No for a while and then started Lightning Born in 2016, I just had a lot more and different songs I wanted to write and I decided to try to pick up bass and for whatever reason, everyone always says that it's harder to play bass and sing at the same time than it is to play guitar and sing at the same time. For whatever reason, I felt completely the opposite. As soon as I started playing bass, I took to it pretty naturally. And um, so that's been that's been easy for me and Crystal Spiders. I mean, I'm still not, I don't know, I'm not the strongest bass player. But again, <coughs> I consider myself more of a song songwriter mm -hmm. than I would a technical player. You know, you got a lot of, oh, there's plenty of guitar players out there that can whip out a blistering solo and play with sterling technical chops and I will leave that to them because if <laughs> I can just play like some solid catchy riffs on the bass and write some good melodies and that's what I'm about and I would say more now in Crystal Spiders but throughout the past and the other bands too is a lot of times when I am writing songs 
what I hear in my head is kind of it's not always clear to me what the instrument is supposed to be that I'm hearing the part for. So um, I think on this album, people might notice maybe more than before that sometimes I will put vocal lines on that I, like I'll say in the studio, this might be a guitar part, I don't know. And then I'll just kind of start recording it as a vocal melody and as a vocal line. And sometimes it ends up getting replaced by another instrument or sometimes it ends up staying as like a vocal line or a vocal hook that is not they're not words sometimes they're words but sometimes they're not and they have to just but sometimes they're not sometimes they're ooze or ahs or something some kind of a different noise <laughs> it's something yeah it's a it's a thing that came from you and sometimes I get frustrated because I hear so many different parts in my head that I'm just not good enough to play. So I struggle to communicate those in a way that gets the full picture with the integrity of the idea out from my imagination into the real world. So one thing that I have been doing over the pandemic, I decided to start trying to be better about recording and structuring my ideas out in Ableton, like before getting into the studio, which I lose patience with. So I'll demo them pretty much to get, all right, here's the baseline. Here's the basic drum parts and tempos. Here are all the parts that I'm seeing for like vocal and melody. And then I will play guitar and at least get the general ideas out that I need to and so by I think I well I have Ableton light live so I think I can only have eight given tracks at any time so it'll be like bass maybe two guitars drums and then like three vocals and maybe one more guitar or something and, or maybe I'll put a weird goofy synth thing on there mm -hmm. <laughs> to try to get my point across, which has worked pretty well as far as trying to translate like the vision for something that I have and to what ends up being the studio product. But I could not, I don't know, I work with Mike Dean a lot from um, Corrosion of Conformity. He's one of my really good friends, also my bandmate in Lightning Born and played guitar on this latest Crystal Spiders album and so I will usually like send him the demo and then just kind of explain it to him and be like yeah that part that's a vocal that might be a guitar part that I'm just not good enough to play or this part that is a guitar part might end up needing to be something else and we'll kind of like talk it through from what the original almost kind of like sketch of the idea is from a demo to what ends up actually turning into the album yeah i mean it's that's pretty cool that like you using your voice to build a song and be like well i i don't know how this would sound but i know how to like enunciate it vocally and if you could figure out what i'm trying to go for like if you're talking to him about it you're like, he's like oh yeah i all right i got it you know that's pretty cool i mean well I don't know sometimes if that's it's the opposite that's i'll do. try to do it as like a guitar part and then i'll be proud of myself i'm like a little kid i'm like look what i did and he's like i really don't <laughs> like that and i'm like 
okay. <laughs> Try again. That part sucks. I mean, I'm I'm largely self-taught with anything that I do. I mean, I took some voice lessons when I was a kid. I can't read music. <laughs> I can read tabs. But I just, I hear a lot of stuff in my head, and then the rest of it is just me trying to, like, get out what I hear in my head. Very non-musician-y musicianhood <laughs> that I live. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I hopefully I'm not offending any, like, you know, other musicians out there, but I feel like the rules at this point are pretty thin for what people, you know, kind of like their approach and their methodology, and, like, some people are just going to be, like, just hyper into it and just you know microscopic level and other people are going to kind of look at it in a little bit in a different way whether it's more natural or just whatever kind of like their comfort level is so that's why we have different kinds of music yeah absolutely i mean i know plenty of musicians who can play extremely complicated stuff and are very well versed in music theory and then just struggle to write one catchy riff (laughs) um (laughs) And then, you know, I can work with those people. And sometimes it's like, boy, I'm really glad I have friends that are more technically sound musicians than I am because they lend me legitimacy. (laughs) (laughs) Trad could not be here today, but he's definitely one of those people. He has a lot of the, uh, the musical chops and the pedigree to make the things that I make sound more structured and purposeful than they often are (laughs) it's a sign of a good bandmate though yeah absolutely i'd I'd say uh there's plenty of balance there when did you start to get into i guess like you go metal or like heavy music or is it just something you've always been into and did you have like a breakthrough album for that it was high school it might have been when i was around 15 probably and I think it was a series of bad boyfriends. <laughs> um, maybe it was, I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, you know, it was like it was like the burned CD era of mm-hmm. mixtape era. And uh, I remember having a couple of boyfriends that made me like punk rock CDs. One of them was called Brenna is a punk rocker. And it had, uh, <laughs> wow. Like, I no, know. One else, like, no, I'm not laughing I, at I was you, but 15, like, dude. I was 15. What am I gonna say? I thought he was so cute, he had a mohawk and like everything. <laughs> <laughs> as if no one else has, as if no one else has done that before. Well, to be fair, though, that boyfriend did have a mohawk and he worked at a music shop. And he bought me my first guitar, a Fender Strat, when he was working at the music store. And I still have that guitar. So he bought it for me for my 16th birthday. Anyway, so let's see. What was on that? I remember it had a 999 song on it, Stiff Little Fingers, obviously the the Ramones, The Clash, um, had Motorhead on it. I loved that. What else was on there? Generation X, what's Richard Hell, uh, X-ray Specs, X. Really good. Yeah, it had had all all the hot shit, you know, like <laughs> all the, all the other good stuff. All the bangers. So yeah, that from there, I think I just uh, 
kind of progressively got more into like 77 and UK into kind of punk rock and rock and roll and then there was also in my later high school years I guess the early 2000s um was kind of like psychabilly and more of the rockabilly stuff uh my first band in Raleigh when I moved to Raleigh was actually a psychabilly band so yeah lots of old like older classic stuff from the 50s and those those were a lot of the bands that I listened to in my teen years and my early 20s so I guess that kind of led to a shift in like increasingly heavier music um I think when the hell no first started that was like 2010 and I think I was why does this feel like it was so long ago I feel so old (laughs) Jesus I really fucking do it it is weird to think that it's been a while (laughs) I know I was like was I even 21 then and why does 2010 sound and feel so long ago well, I mean, it, kinda, like. it, it was a long time ago, but like in the grand scheme of things, obviously not. But like it also it's just like, wow, I did, was I did a lot of ago. stuff and I did a lot of eleven years stupid ago. shit. <laughs> 2010 was 11 years ago. That sounds weird. Yeah, it does sound <laughs> weird. Because I'm sure when I'm sure at your at the point in your life in 2010, whatever was happening to you was just the most important thing. Like, oh, my God, my life will end if this one thing goes wrong and uh yeah and that's like all people in their early 20s so if anybody in their early 20s is listening to this it gets better dudes like i promise i mean saying that right now fully aware that everything sucks but like if things get better better. (laughs) (laughs) yeah like this this is a little shittier than normal true but it does get better yeah so i guess that kind of started out as like a bluesy like punk and roll rock and roll band and has now morphed into slightly more of like new wave of British heavy metal with some power metal licks in there um, over the past maybe like five years. And I guess I started getting into more like stoner metal, stoner rock and doom metal probably around the same time uh maybe like yeah like 20 between 2014 and 2016 because 2016 was when we started lightning born and then yeah i guess that that's kind of the timeline but i've always well i can't say always but since high school i've been into kind of like some flavor of heavier music and i'm really i'm just an appreciator when it comes down to it like I love a lot of flavors of heavy. I've never gotten the things I would say I've never gotten too much into are like thrash, black metal, death metal. I like a little bit of it here and there, but um, I think because I use my voice so much, I'm a lot more attracted to styles of heavy music that have a stronger right, like a cleaner, uh, cleaner focus voice. on melody. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. 
Also, I like a I like a lyric. I like a good lyric. If I can't understand your lyrics, I'm probably less interested in whatever is going on. <laughs> it's um, okay. They probably said something stupid in a song where they they like art sound like. <laughs> I mean, I'm, some of those lyrics are really cool, but you've made me do an extra step. Now I have to Google it and find out what you're talking about, like because I can't understand it from whatever you're saying. And also, like, I'm a sucker for a hook, you know? I like right. I like something that sticks in your head. And I laugh when I say this because maybe it's during pregnancy or maybe this just always happens and I only noticed it, like, since I've been pregnant. But in the middle of the night, I will wake up and there'll be a line of a song just looping in my head. But there's songs that I swear to God I haven't heard in, like seriously 20 years or more and a lot of times they're advertising jingles so like <laughs> pizza in the morning pizza in the evening pizza in the afternoon when pizza's on a bagel you can have pizza anytime that doesn't even rock, like pizza at supper time that's a bagel bites fucking advertising <laughs> song when was the last time you saw a commercial for bagel bites I, I mean, I can't remember one unless I like actively looked it up on like fucking YouTube, but like, no, I don't, have, do I don't I even have that? cable anymore. Why so. do I remember that? I haven't <laughs> heard that commercial for like 15 years easily, <laughs> not like 20 years. But yeah, that'll happen to me in the middle of the night a lot. Just random, random lines of songs or advertising jingles. And from like the, like but, the weirdest place, like why that? <laughs> why that? Why that? I don't that's, know. That's the power of uh, advertising. <laughs> yeah. I went to high school with a girl whose dad wrote the ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it jingle. Yeah, absolutely. From that's fucking crazy. Like that that becomes part of the cultural lexicon. That is stuck in my brain at two in the morning. <laughs> That's really pathetic. Oh, I think it's just like, you know, we are like, we just, we soak things in and like, it, it just hits at a certain point where like, you're at like, just at a point in your life when you're still developing, like those weird things just like dig into your brain. And it's just, you know, I'm sure... I'm sure that's how a lot of our favorite songs were written and created. Just like, oh, I want to like do that. I obviously I don't think they would have heard like a jingle, you know. But like, I'm sure some of the stuff that we love was just, it's it's all just oh, I heard that. I want to do that, but not the same. Except here, it's like, why am I thinking about the Bagel Bites song? There's no reason. There's no reason. <laughs> Unless you want some Bagel Bites. I mean, they're, I they're pretty good. <laughs> I kind of think they taste like cardboard, but... They kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't turn it down, though. Like, if somebody put it in front of me for an afternoon snack. Some, or, yeah, I mean, sometimes morning, we will just get those. Or in the evening. Yeah. Or at supper time. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes we will just be like, do you want to just get, like, the really overly greasy, like... Uh, hash browns that are like frozen it's like yes of course I do I know this isn't like real thing but yes I want this crispy greasy potato <laughs> of course I want these weird small not pizzas on not bread that tastes like cardboard of course I want this <laughs> of course and why wouldn't you of course I want 
fake chicken that looks like dinosaurs. <laughs> the thing it once was a billion gajillion years ago. That is probably going to turn into my life soon. I'm going to buy dinosaur chicken nuggets. <laughs> God damn. Foods, food shaped like animals that they are not like goldfish and dinosaur chicken nuggets. Just find, oh, that sounds like a good video. <laughs> not that this has anything to do with crystal spiders, but like that would be a cool video. Like buy all the food that looks like uh, animals and like rank it. Yes. Chocolate bunny rabbits. Buzzfeed. Buzzfeed. <laughs> Pick me up, Buzzfeed. You're you're my go-to reference for social media and digital media. <laughs> so I have to say I'm not really a podcast person. So when I go on podcasts and start talking, I don't really know what the sort of people who are listening to your podcast want to know about. So I mean I just start bullshitting the way I bullshit. Oh no, that's just totally about fine. anybody. But I, I realize you have like questions to ask and maybe inquiring minds do really want to know things. <laughs> um, so I I did have something that I thought was probably worth talking about, which- Fire uh, Well, our uh, Ripple PR person asked me before the new video for our newest single off the album came out and she said, well, do you have any cool like stories about the song that you want to talk about, you know, to go out to the press release? And I was like, no, I don't think so. And then, of course, two days later, I was like, damn, I said I said a lot about that song that I didn't say. <laughs> so, because um, has uh, I have you seen the video yet? Have you? I actually have. I have not. I know it's floating around out there, but I'll make a point to watch it. The song is like, it starts out a little bit more rock and roll, like kind of faster paced. And then uh, it kind of switches midway to a more, you know, like sleep-ish riff. And then it kind of goes to a crawl. And the when I was writing it, I think the working title we had was like Scylla and Charybdis of, uh, kind of like between a rock and a hard place, right. but also the dichotomy of like, you know, the the ravine and the whirlpool. Mm -hmm. And while I was writing it, I was thinking about specifically confronting someone who like, confronting an abuser who in the past had done some fucked up things to me and who just makes my blood like boil every time I see them and kind of envisioning and playing out what it would be like when the tables had turned and I had confronted that person and then like I don't know to kind of flip the switch and take the power back of the situation of whether I'm intended to or not, I gave this person power over me and power over my emotions to have been that angry for that long. And then to make them realize, actually, I could fuck up your life pretty fucking badly if I wanted to. I think that that makes for an interesting dichotomy and a dynamic of the song. The video is cool because uh, 
Trad actually found this guy, Dark Sprite Videos, and he did a great job. And it's funny because I don't even think, I can't remember if we even sent him the lyrics or not, but he picked up on so much of like what the song was about through the lyrics and the energy. When you watch the um, video, it's remarkable how how many of the scenes sort of play against what the, I guess you would call the plot or the storyline of the song is that um, I think even in some of the reviews that have come out, they mention it like, like as if the song was written to go with the video or something, which I, I think is pretty cool because whenever you do a music video that's that's like that, where it's kind of found footage or existing footage cut into uh, a song, it's not really like easy to match both the vibe of the music and like thematically some of the storylines. So I don't know. I thought I thought it was a cool experience how that ended up working out. And Dark Sprite Videos did one more video for us that I hope uh, we get to release here in the next few weeks. And that one's really cool too. So um, I hope the people that watch it dig it. It was cool to make. Well, I'll definitely check it out. And you know, that's obviously not something that's you know, you just come to terms with overnight, you know, so like, it's good that you've been, you know, you're able to put that into an outlet. And it's probably like a cathartic feeling, you know, for you to kind of just like, just to just to get it down and out, like, this is how I feel. Well, and the, the irony of the situation is that over the course of the pandemic, I actually did end up confronting that person. And uh, kind of spelling all this shit out for them. And I did get an apology, but more like the detailed confrontation I felt like was both traumatic and cathartic, but it also felt like at this time in my life, you know, about to bring another human, especially another female into the world, that it was good to, as much as it sucked to like dredge all that up, it was good also to, um, able to sort of close get some closure on the situation and at least get an apology and hey i hope you know that what you did was really fucked up and right um i think a lot of people don't ever get that one because it's hard to do it is hard to confront um someone who has assaulted or abused or raped you it's fucking hard. Uh, and it's like, not. I imagine it isn't easy to be on the receiving end of that either for someone who has gone about their life facing literally no repercussion for doing that to other people. But I think, um, especially after the Me Too movement and all this time alone in quarantine and kind of pandemicness. I think a lot of people have been confronting kind of their past, their trauma, their maybe their misdeeds because you spend a lot of time sitting with yourself. Yeah, in, and, in your head. Yeah, did you uh did you watch the Bo Burnham Inside documentary? Yeah, yeah we just or, watched it. It was very good. 
it was very good, but I think it, that's kind of like. I didn't like laugh out loud a lot of the time. Like more, I was just like, wow, this is, it's pretty, it was, it was very like impressive. That it's he, impressive. He did it. You know, it's like, impressive. And, but he, uh, he definitely uh, summed up a lot of feelings that I certainly was feeling last year and probably still I'm feeling this year. Not well, a whole I, lot I think, has changed. <laughs> I think that what is interesting about it is that it's kind of like a cultural touchstone at this point. As so many people can relate <clears throat> to that sort of fight. Well, especially creative people like me, I can watch that and go, dude, that's exactly what I did all of 2020. I wrote 54 songs. Like I counted how many fucking songs that I wrote in 2020. I wrote the entire Crystal Spiders album. I wrote all of the well all of my parts and also a couple of complete songs for the lightning born album and then i wrote just a ton of new songs that they don't have a home yet i did i started working on what will become a solo album but i uh yeah so i have all the songs for that but then i kind of lost steam after i found out i was pregnant i was like damn i'm really tired maybe Maybe the Crystal Spiders and the Lightning Born album were good enough for right now. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure you'll I'm sure you will find plenty of new things to be writing about. <laughs> well, but I think the whole experience of the pandemic and kind of what we were just talking about that Bo Burnham inside I, I call it a documentary. It's not a documentary, but it kind of feels like one, like a self made portrait rather. Mm-hmm. Um of that juxtaposition of creative energy the pressure to make the most of the time also kind of like fighting with your inner demons of whatever they may be depression or anxiety or like addiction or trauma like you're you are literally just stuck with yourself and you know maybe one to to other people for a lot of time on end. Um, And I think I kind of am glad that I got so many songs written, but it's also, it definitely forced a few things out. Yeah. I think it's, it was, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, and I I don't think that that's exclusive just to like you or me. I mean, it, it seemed to happen. It's a cultural touchstone. It was a cult. Yeah, exactly. Like we all kind of, took well not all of us but a lot of a us lot of people. took a step back and kind of re-examined like where kind of like we were as a country in addition to like ourselves you know and I, I think that that's something that a lot of people uh have in common going through this you know I mean it and it was it was a it, and it still is a hard and trying situation but yeah, I would agree with that hundred percent, you know, and then you get it. And then, I mean, I, hopefully you didn't get as deep into your head as like the one part where he's like, I, I, I know I'm explaining a bit and it's not as interesting to the listeners, but he's like comment. He's like, he's doing a visual representation of what it's like, what it's like here, I'm recording a video about a thing. Oh, I, and then I've been he's... thinking about that. <laughs> and now I'm commenting about it after I've immediately made a discussion. And it's just like the endless cycle of it, you know. The whole thing that I just said to you about, and I put it all in Ableton. No, that's how that goes. 
And then I listened to my voice again and again and again. And then I put another layer of my voice on it. And then I listened to that again and again and again. And then I moved that part and I copied that part and I cut that part out. And then I added another layer of my voice and I did it again and again and again. Yeah, that's what editing your own your own voice, three to four layers of it, plus your own bass playing, plus your own guitar, plus your crappy attempt at Ableton <laughs> drum track. Yes. No, that's exactly what it is. And I think it's awesome to be able to express yourself. And I think about that sometimes too. The people that I know who don't really have a creative outlet, whether just because they aren't compelled to express themselves that way, or maybe they just feel like they can't, or uh, I don't know. I have kind of an envy slash pity relationship with those people because I'm like, damn. It must be so quiet in your head because at any given time, I feel like I've got three like things going on. Like there's something in my head I can't get out, whether it's like a rhythm or a melody. And then I'm also thinking about like two other things at the same time, which is occasionally very noisy and I'm not very good at uh, <laughs> meditation. But also sometimes things just like shoot out like a lot of the songs that I end up writing I just fill up like a notepad on my phone and they come out at the weirdest times like while I'm in the car on the way to the grocery store or like while I'm thinking about something else or in the middle of the night and then I just get up and I have to write it down and um a lot of the times they might just be things from my subconscious that either I'm processing or things that I'm thinking about sometimes they're actively me like purging emotions or thoughts like I'm upset because I had a bad day at work and I was thinking about like there's a song on the new album called um, Pandora and it's a really short song but it's about a bad day that I had at work and how I felt about the position that I was being put in yeah there's a song on my on Molt about a bad day at work too <laughs> so but sometimes it's just a it's like therapy to be able to get it out, but also, I don't know, it's, a, it's the reason I write songs, I guess. I couldn't not write something, whether mm -hmm. or not it actually ever makes its way into like a finished or polished product. I'm sure that there's a lot of other people where it's just been like, that's how it is. And like, you know, they just, you know, people have their own ways of approaching it and whether they want to put that in as like very literal lyrics or they want to put it in as like kind of metaphorical lyrics, but like, I, you know, art's like derivative of pain, you know, like it's just, it's, that's whether that's like something that you go through or whether it's, you know, addiction or. You know, no, it, well, we spend so much time. Well, especially all this time I've been at home, like too, you spend so much time like plugged into the matrix of work that it's uh sometimes you have to have a way to process it when you're not at work and like I, I keep saying like I should go to therapy but I can't find a therapist that is like <laughs> taking clients because everyone's so batshit right now so that's why that's why I play music that's people are like wow three bands you're pretty busy huh I'm like oh no I'm just insane like that's the only <laughs> yeah I'm a lot of I have a lot of emotions that I need to deal with. Yeah. I need three bands to do it. I have a lot of it. emotions. Like, <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. If I don't have them, uh, I start I start getting in trouble, like, when I'm not um, 
kind of maxed out with constructive outlets for <laughs> all for all of my feelings. <laughs> so, yeah, all, so many feelings. I have so um, many feelings. But you do have to get it out, you know, somehow. And like someone is gonna listen to it and they're gonna be like, fuck, I know how they feel. They know how I feel. You know, and that's actually pro probably the the coolest thing about playing playing music and especially having a great label like Ripple is people listen to stuff and they like it and they want to talk to you about it for a really long time. So thanks for talking to me about it for a really long time. And <laughs> My pleasure. For, for, for anybody that sits here and listens to it, because I'm sure they're like, yeah, who's this chick? <laughs> <laughs> No, man. Like I would look, I wouldn't wouldn't have you on if I didn't have a good reason for it, you know. Yeah, thanks thanks for inviting me and um yeah, thanks for for digging Molt. I hope you like the new album as much as as much as Molt. We well, we have I, that that was going to be the other thing I was going to say about pandemic albums that is kind of interesting and I don't know how many other people have thought about it this way that when you write or have written an album over 2020 like many of us have you are writing it kind of in a vacuum of you're in quarantine you're in this pandemic you're all kind of going through whatever pandemic-y emotions you might be having but also most other albums that get written and then recorded are done in the regular cycle of like we're having band practice all the time. Uh, we're playing these gigs live at shows. We're kind of like practicing and playing them constantly and they're evolving. And then by the time you go to record them, they they have their sound, you know, like mm -hmm. they've been workshopped to death, both in the practice space and on tour and at gigs versus this kind of album. Uh, I did some of it in Ableton, and then me and Trad like played him so that he could get his drum his drum parts down. And I think we practiced them. Gosh, yeah, it was pretty much over the summer. I guess the pandemic fully started in March of 2020 because mm -hmm. I think my last day in the office when then they were like, "Don't come back," was March 31st or something. Yeah, it was about And I had finished the album and we finished like writing it and practicing it and playing to it by July. So that was like April, May, June. Yeah, so pretty much over like three months and some change. And then we got into the studio starting in August because I just got like a time hop notification the other day. And when you think about that, we didn't play any of those things live. A lot of them that were done were kind of half the vision that I had from the Ableton demo and then half what Trad and I had actually like workshops so that, that they had his real drum parts. And then from that, the rest of the album was done with just me and Mike Dean sitting in the studio a lot of the time working out the guitar parts. Some of them he would go on the parts I had already played and written and then just play him a little better than me. <laughs> and then some of them, uh, you know, I'd give him a little bit more free reign and say, 
okay, well, here's kind of what I was thinking. And maybe they would have a vocal line where I was like, this is sort of the general idea. Or maybe not. Maybe I'd just be like, here's the baseline. Do whatever you think sounds cool. And so I think it's a pretty good mix of sort of creative liberty there. But it's also very different because a lot of those songs would have never turned out that way if they had been done more traditionally of we're playing music gigs and in the practice space and we've gone on tour and we've played them every night for two weeks. Like what works, what doesn't work? Where do you want to like, you know, yeah, it would have been a different album. So I think that that'll, I don't know if people will pick up on that or really like think about it. If you listen to like our first album, Molt, and then this one, Marieris back to back, you'd probably be like, huh, these sound different. But I don't know if you'd really like think about why. I mean, it you know, we're going we're going through all the albums coming out now that you know were pushed back or whatever. There's albums that have just come out that are fre- or like you know like yours that are fresh, and there's shit that's going to be coming out for years. Just people coping with this, figuring it out, like you know, and it's you know, thankfully you know you do have like a platform like Bandcamp, you know, but, you know, like all the vinyls all fucked up and people can't get that fucking shit done. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, yeah, it, it is like, you know, it, you know, it was almost a, a death blow for the, the you know, the, the quote unquote music industry. You know, I'll use that term lightly. I think it'll be interesting because I know that there were people like me who writing was kind of a, I guess, vomitous way of coping with the, <laughs> with the pandemic. And then I know that there were other people who writing gave them anxiety. So that was like the last thing they wanted to do right. um, <clears throat> during the pandemic. And they didn't write anything. And, uh, you know, maybe kind of their return to normalcy is going to be when they get to go back to like playing with their band at practice and playing gigs and stuff. Um, and they, I, I think albums are made differently that way. Like things that are made in a, in the vacuum of how we just did this one, which was largely a little bit, a little bit me by myself in this room, a little bit me and Trad in a practice space and a little bit me and Mike Dean in the studio, never kind of touching the air of the stage, so to speak. But also that gave a lot more, like, some creative license. Like, uh, my friend, uh, High Priestess Nighthawk, as she likes to be called, of Heavy Temple, uh, played cello on one of the songs. So that was really cool, like, getting to collaborate um, long distance on that getting to do some of these cover albums and things like that, that I wouldn't have had time to do earlier. I did one for um, Ghost Hello. Wouldn't have worked with that band otherwise, had time to do that. Um, oh, they're cool. I like them. Yeah, I, I had never met them. Um, Matt Bacon actually suggested they... <laughs> Matt were... Bacon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's my little buddy. Um yeah, actually, I think they asked him if he knew me, and then he reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested in working with them. So that was cool. I don't know when that one's coming out. But I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of 
interesting opportunities to make music in a way that we wouldn't have done if the world was going normally. I wouldn't have spent all that time making those Ableton demos, <laughs> but um, it's also kind of, I don't know, kind of sad because part of the fun of making and playing music is that that collaboration, that shared energy of what happens when you put like-minded bandmates and musicians in a room or on stage and you have the opportunity to, what is the word I'm thinking of? Improv, basically. Improvise, because that's... And like work off each other, you know, like feed off each yeah. other's like energies and ideas and be like, you know, kind of put the pieces together versus it being kind of this like patchwork thing that people had to like make work for a year going a year plus now you know yeah absolutely and um i think especially like working with trad and his approach to playing drums and he's also got some cool guitar ideas uh to to have someone that when you are writing because I consider, some people are not like this, but I consider songs almost more like living documents, you know? Like, if you are playing them all the time, there's nothing wrong with, you've played a show, or you've played a song in your live set for six months, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I've always fucking hated the ending of this song. I just want to, like, completely rewrite, like, the latter third of this song. I don't have a problem with that. Some people, I've had bandmates before who are just like, no, like the song is the way it is, and like it's set in stone. If you, if you want another song, then you write another song. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't abide by those rules. <laughs> ah, I don't blame you. I was about, I was just, I was about to say, um, it, it's very dark on your end. You're just like, I know, out, you're an outline. <laughs> I well, it, it's uh, but, it when is, the sun goes sun. down, you know. Yeah, I do have a light in this room, though. I promise, I'll turn it on. And now you can see, and then this is my recording desk where the music shit is. And then these are all my bases, oh, bass gear. That's my guitar up there. And then uh, over here where I was sitting, this is my husband's guitar corner. It's a smaller collection. <laughs> well, I have a problem. <laughs> my problem is <laughs> that I like to collect very old bases. <laughs> uh, it's pretty cool if you ask me. Thank you. Uh, luckily, we have this room where I can put all of my toys. Also, we have a practice space where more of my toys live, but uh, I haven't been there very much over the past few months, and it makes me sad. <laughs> I don't know, shows are kind of coming back, but it seems people have mixed feelings about that. Yeah, I have some, I have complicated feelings about that. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, obviously we're talking about, we're talking about things as of August 11th. So, you know, by the time this episode comes out, who fucking knows where we're going to be? Yeah. Maybe it'll be okay. But it wasn't. Uh, th I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm only saying that so I can drop in an Arrested Development uh, line <laughs> from the narrator. 
it was not okay. <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, that is one reason why I figured, you know what, if there's a year to get knocked up. <laughs> you know what, I was going to say, maybe not like, you know, obviously not ideal conditions to like, you know, be like having a baby, like, you know, for anybody. But I mean, like, if you're just like, well, fuck it, if I'm just going to be inside, I mean, and because like, I have to yeah. raise a kid, if I'm going like, to be the size anyway. of a whale and also have no social life for a year, 2021, here we go. Because last year, obviously, we had a lot of stuff we had to cancel. We were going to do, um, a short run of shows with Heavy Temple. We were going to play Maryland Death Fest. We had, um, I'm sorry, not Maryland Death Fest, Maryland Doom Fest, Ooh, pregnancy brain. Um, and we had a couple other things cooking. And then, of course, that all just evaporated. So we did the albums. I wrote a lot of songs and then um, kind of realized, all right. Well, the world isn't going into total like apocalypse mode. However, I don't think things are going to go back to normal anytime soon. So, my husband and I talked about it because uh, we'd been talking about whether or not to have a kid off and on for a few years. And honestly, it's been nice working at home and not feeling like I have to go to the office and feel like shit so like if I feel like man I'm really tired or I don't feel good today I can just go 20 feet away and take a nap so that part's cool um also I don't have to cancel any gigs because we weren't really booking any <laughs> so, right. um you know it, it has been a little like twinge of sadness over the past couple of months as the gig offers have started to roll back in and I'm like no, not for the rest of this year, but I plan to get back to it um, in but pretty much 2022, which seems to be around when maybe things will be more normal anyway. So I'm hoping I can just get into stride on the same pace as everybody else. I mean, I think that's probably the way things will go at this point. So like, you know, it's, hey, right around the corner <laughs> really is though like i mean it's crazy to me that like it, you know like i said this you know we're just like you know and it, it, i guess it makes sense doing some reflecting on like you know the the episode before episode 100 but like it, it as i said <laughs> to a friend that last year felt like the longest year but also the shortest year and it's just you know, just just like to quote the Chappelle show, somehow that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's true. Like part of me is sad because it feels like we missed out on a lot. But then part of me I think a lot was was learned and accomplished too. Like I was saying earlier. All of the time that has been spent at home or in quarantine or having like live music taken away from a lot of us who's, for some people, their livelihoods. Luckily, I've had a job where I've been able to work this whole time, but 
I I would say a significant, if not majority part of my life has been taken away, put on pause by not being able to like play shows or go to shows or tour or do the fest thing and any of that. I don't think you uh, can, or I don't think anybody would argue with you to say that like, yes, an entire year plus was essentially like robbed from your life, you know? And it's just like, you're never going to get that time back. You know, you don't get another chance. So like, I'm mad about it. I, I think I, speaking at least for me, I feel like I've made the most of it that I could between right. writing and recording. I'm excited. I'm excited that this album is coming out. It's also kind of weird. Like normally we'd have booked some shows to promote the album. We do not have any shows. So right. that part is weird. Um, that's new. And um, I hope that, I don't know, luckily with the, the age of the internet, hopefully people still want to check it out and still listen to it, even though we don't have any appearances to um, help promote it. And people are like, well, you could do a live stream. I'm sorry. I never wanted to do a live stream. I know other bands, <laughs> have, I know other bands have pulled it off and with elegance and grace. You're like, yes, that's exactly what I would like to do after spending, you know, seven hours in labor. <laughs> Fuck no, dude. I really don't want any part of that. Like, yeah. Oh, You're man. Like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to be with this baby. I'm going to eat some some pizza bagels and <laughs> and do my thing. Also, I just really, like... I find doing music on camera to be an uncomfortable experience anyway. Like, I don't like it. And I say that as I'm grappling with a, a music video that we filmed that will probably be coming out here in the next couple of weeks or months. And I'm like, damn it, why did I agree to do that? I really hate doing music videos where I have to like play on video I don't I don't know why maybe it's maybe it's a me thing or maybe a lot of musicians feel that way but it's just so not fun like I guess the, the thing that's great about playing live music is the energy of the other people who are there and more like the authenticity and freedom of doing performance art so to speak and then when you take that and you're like I'm doing this now for posterity it feels very unpleasant plus I'm always like do I look fat and I don't <laughs> like that either Aww. like well I was like three months pregnant when we filmed it so to be fair I did feel like I looked fat <laughs> Well, I'm sure you looked just fine. And, uh, but I, but I get why you would feel weird about, you know, filming it. I don't, I don't know about like posterity, but like, I'm sure like filming a music video is like, well, we're here with our crew. So like, make sure you're giving it 110%, you know, for this. And it's like a little bit, you know, different. So I, I don't know, actually, I'm kind of, I, you know, given that there's so many like, just fucking bizarre out there music videos where they're like the energy does seem like it's like really high you know it, it 
<laughs> also like a lot of heavy metal videos are just like fucking batshit crazy like anyway so i i wish it's a it's an interesting weird medium yeah i i um i actually have a master's degree in film studies so i have spent a lot of time thinking about film and thinking about things on video which i realize is extremely obnoxious for anybody that has to make music videos for my bands because I always have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure they're always like, this bitch, god damn it. But um, Maybe you can pit me. Hey, I can relate to because I have uh, a minor in film studies. So I <laughs> totally hear you on that one. Um, I don't know. Pivot into filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing though. It's like the act of making these songs in Ableton reminds me of why I hated filmmaking and video editing because it's just like oh like nothing is ever going to be the way that it appears in your head right yes but you could drive yourself nuts trying to get there like uh the um you gotta you gotta know when you gotta learn to know when not to squeeze any more blood from the stone dude i don't know how people do it like mike dean does that production work on his his own songs and I'm just like better you than me dude I am way too neurotic because <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought about it for you know this solo stuff I've been working on maybe I could do it all myself well I could <laughs> or I could not I think my mental health might be a little bit better off if I just don't. Just know your limits. Yes. That's that's the word. I don't have any limits. Only the limits in my own mind. My self-imposed limits. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, you may have to bring in somebody else to help you with that. Yeah, that's why I have Mike Dean. He's actually really excited. <laughs> He's like, when are you going to give me those songs? I'm like, Maybe later. <laughs> okay, focus on getting the baby out first. You know, before you know, we we wrap. We've been going for a while. Like um, re- regarding the, the new album, Mori. Am I saying it right, Morieras? Yes, Morieras. Uh, the album cover is really cool. It's like a fucking like. Uh, I think I described it as like us. I spy for like a cult bred nineties. <laughs> <laughs> dorks because <laughs> there's like fucking all kinds of like weird spooky shit but then like jurassic park vhs's and like some bullets and like a crown royale bag that like everyone i know that <laughs> has bought a bottle of crown royale always just keeps those bags or anyone that had marbles when they or were anyone there. that had marbles <laughs> so um that was painted by a friend of mine, Tyler Pennington, he's also done um, some of my tattoos. He did this uh, tiger sleeve. I won't go too much into describing that because people can't uh, see it who are listening anyway. But he did this uh, tiger sleeve and uh, we got to bonding over metal while getting to know each other while he was tattooing me. So he did the first cover, Molt, and then he did this one. And the theme that Trad and I decided on was a memento mori 
um, sort of traditional art piece, but done kind of Southern trash style. Yes. So, so all of the things that it. are pictured in there, like we picked out for the still life. So a crown royal bag and uh, instead of books, which are part of a traditional memento mori, we decided to do VHS tapes. And um, what else? Some tobacco, rolling papers, and then Mer- American I, I, spirits. Yeah, I want. I wanted like hot pink, like <laughs> tacky uh, fabric in the background. Then some of the things um, in there are like some of the things are mine. So the jewelry that's in there, my friend makes that jewelry uh, for a company in North Carolina. It's jewelry and what else is in there um yeah bullets for my bullet belt (laughs) uh yeah he was really into the idea so the back of the record is a taxidermy raccoon that i got from a tattoo shop here in town that closed down uh so he's he's been around he's seen some shit and he looks way prettier in the painting that tyler made that he looks in person (laughs) It's like in person, he looks like he has seen some shit. Like his tail is all ratty, and like his nose is half rubbed off, and he's just like this raccoon went through the wall. Taxidermy, yeah. But Tyler can't make anything ugly, so he made him pretty. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, it was really cool. So that then the album title is Morieris, which is kind of a play on Memento Mori. Instead of, like, remember, you must die, it's, you will die. <laughs> like, it's kind of a matter-of-fact point of the situation, but... um, Always a good reminder in these times. Yeah, we, we have some fun with some traditional ideas. <laughs> if you want to plug anything at this time, which obviously, you know, new album definitely is now the time to do yeah so. buy the new album yo um we have uh the pre-order stuff is up at ripple and so we've got some limited edition splatter variant vinyl in beautiful colors and i have been told that it is selling very quickly and i believe nearly sold out already was the words that Todd from Ribble said to me. So I think if you want vinyl, the sooner the better. Our All of our other vinyl, I think, is sold out um, from the first album, Black and the Variants. And yeah, honestly, I hope people dig it. We're still a really new band. We've only been around two years, two or, two or three years. So this is our second album, but we worked really hard on it. So we're just hoping people dig it, spread the word, and we'll see you at some shows and some festivals in 2022, world permitting. Yes. And uh, and the world will be a better place with li- little Brenna in the world. Brenna Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Brenna Jr. 
I don't no, know. No, that's a world. terrible name. Terrible name. That, nope. Can't, can't, I don't think you, the world can handle two of me. Honestly. I don't think you should go with that because <laughs> I can barely handle one of me. <laughs> well, the abbreviation for Brenna Jr. is very bad. Oh, God, no. So do not take any kind of parental advice from me. <laughs> Point taken. Well, uh, I expect probably by the time people listen to the show, I will be a parent instead of just a very largely pregnant person. So um, <laughs> wish me luck. <laughs> Best of luck. Hope everything goes really smoothly. Check out the album definitely when it comes out in October. Thank you so much for taking the time and be probably being very uncomfortable <laughs> during this recording. Well, I'm happy to be here and thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, and that will do it for this chapter of The Diary. I didn't fuck up the closing this time. Oh, yeah.
also I apologize if it looks like I'm like if I have like a massive fever, but like it's just so goddamn hot. <laughs> um yeah, I'm not my usual self either. <laughs> I'm, For obvious reasons. Yeah, I am 39 and a half weeks pregnant. So I'm uh, really tired all the time and I feel like I look like shit right now, but that's okay. I'm doing my best. It's okay. <laughs> There's not going to be any video element to this. Oh, thank God. Cause I was like, Oh, it's a podcast. Oh fuck. I have to be on video. <laughs> Whew. Okay. Actually that is a huge load off. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I look like dog shit. Like, <laughs> Did you watch Stranger Things? Uh, I watched the first season, yeah. Okay, in I think it it might be the second or the third season, but anyway, there is a monster that gets created out of human meat, and that's pretty much what it looks like. Like the the humans melt and like turn into the monster, and the monster is as big as the mall. Human meat mall monster. Yeah. 